Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. We're happy to have you this evening, and we're going to be talking about a pretty important topic. Uh, I'm sure if you follow us here at the Carolina Weather Group and you've seen any of our severe weather coverage, we're always talking about that pesky radar gap over the Charlotte to Greensboro area, the Interstate 85 corridor, and how a lot of us are wanting a radar there to help us uh, provide better feedback. So we're going to be talking about that topic, and our guest tonight is meteorologist Mike Smith, retired after 40 plus years in the business. He's also an author and has written a few books about severe weather. Uh, and Mike is uh, bringing a different perspective to the show tonight, talking about uh, the terminal Doppler and how it can be utilized to help uh, in those severe weather coverages. But before we do that, I want to hand it off to Jared Smith, who we kind of like to resonate as our resident radar meteorologist guy here on the Carolina Weather Group. He loves radar. And so, Jared, uh, for those folks who are tuning in and maybe if they've missed a radar show that we've done before, yep. kind of give us the basics and then I'll uh, we'll toss it off to Mike mm. and let him talk about uh, the gap that we have here in the Carolinas. So, Jared, yep. off to you. Yep. So, radar, it, it, radio detection and ranging. Believe it or not, that that is what that means. Uh, we're, we're all just so used to it. You know, I'm sure over the last year, you all sat on Zoom calls and it's like, yes, let's circle back to that. It's on my radar. So um, this is this is the ad, the real thing. And basically the idea is, is that um, across the country, we have a network of uh, Doppler radars called NextRad. Well, what the heck is a Doppler radar? Well, what's really cool is that, you know, as the dish spins around, sends out a pulse, and then what, and then the radar, and then that pulse will bounce off of something reflects back to the radar. And then uh, circuitry within the radar basically says, um, you know, this is how much power was returned. And this is, um, this is potentially how fast it's going. Um, that's a gross oversimplification. Um, but that is generally the idea. And then recently in the last, um, in the last 10 years or so, um, the national radar network was upgraded to, uh, something called dual polarization. So now the radar sends out a horizontal pulse and it sends out a vertical pulse. So now not only do we know how much power is being returned and how fast it's going, we also know some ideas is, is it taller than, is it taller than wide? Is it is it the same shape? Is everything within this, is everything within the beam the same shape? And so that is very useful information uh, for us. You'll often see that here in severe weather coverage when we're talking tornadoes and we're looking at a product called correlation coefficient. Usually looks very red. Um, but when we see a little, uh, uh, what we call a CC hole or a debris signature, uh, that's a sign that the radar has picked up on, you know, things that are not necessarily meteorological. And so that's a really great advancement that we've had. Now, the reason why we talk about the radar gap um, in North Carolina is actually pretty straightforward. The weather service radar um, that serves the Charlotte area is uh, typically is, is most often sourced from Greer, South Carolina. If, so that, that's around that, that is around the uh, Greenville area. I think it's a little you know, easier place of reference for people. And so as that radar, you know, as you get further away from the radar, two things happen. One, because of the curvature of the earth, the radar essentially shoots higher and higher and higher into the storms. And then the other part that happens is that radar beam spreads out. So you lose a little of that higher resolution as it goes. And so you get, you know, you get, um, you, you get more targets within that beam and that can begin to wash out the data a little bit. Um, 
Uh, what Mike is going to show us here in a second is talking about another type of radar that's in the Charlotte metro area, right at the airport there, uh, called the Terminal Doppler. Um, and uh, Mike, I don't think I'm going to steal your thunder on that. You have a you have a uh, some interesting visuals here to talk about that and and why that's important. So um, I'll hand you the floor, and let's talk about the TDWR. Well, the question I was asked to talk about is is does there need to be a uh, WSR 88D or major national weather service network radar in the Charlotte area. And my answer to that is no. There are lots of radar gaps around the country and we're gonna talk about the radar gaps in a moment. But first of all, I thought it might be interesting to uh, take a look at the um, history of that radar in the Charlotte area and why it's important and what it does air travel took over from propeller-driven airplanes. And for most people in the United States these days, you really have to be late 60s and above to appreciate this. You have no idea how luxurious even coach air travel was in the 60s and 70s. But the problems began in the 1970s. On approach to Lambert St. Louis International Airport, an Ozark aircraft crashed uh, on what is now the campus of the University of Missouri at St. Louis in 1973. And then just two years later, more than 100 people were killed outside of JFK when an Eastern Airlines aircraft crashed again in the vicinity of a thunderstorm on approach to JFK. Um, the National Transportation Safety Board kind of whiffed on this one. It's rare that they do. They have an outstanding reputation. But they said it was a thunderstorm associated with a cold front that caused the crash. Well, at that time, Eastern Airlines had probably the best aviation meteorology department in history, and they weren't uh, satisfied with that explanation at all. So they brought in Dr. Ted Fujita, who did his unique brand of forensic meteorology analysis. And he came up with a hypothesis that there was a type of storm that had never been discovered before called a downburst. And it caused severe wind shear, and that's what caused the crash. Um, his hypothesis was instantly controversial. Uh, meteorologists across the country said, for the first time, Fujita's wrong. This just, this can't be. Well, a couple of years later, I was out storm chasing and I took a series of seven photographs. And within two weeks of that, Ted captured for the first time a downburst on Doppler radar. So we had both photographic and Doppler radar confirmation that downbursts existed but nobody believed them. A full year later, uh, Science News ran a headline, are downbursts a lot of hot air. No one believed Dr. Fujita. And he had sleepless night over sleepless night over this. Well, Mother Nature does what Mother Nature does, and meteorologists can be skeptical, but the fact is the planes kept but we were having a downburst-related crash, many of them fatal, every 12 to 18 months. Finally, on August 2nd, 1985, we had probably the most analyzed conversation that 
industry of aviation as Delta Flight 191 approached DFW International Airport. Four minutes after that, 137 people were dead as the plane crashed short of the airport. A jumbo jet, a Lockheed L-1011, north of DFW in 100-mile-an-hour winds. Again, it's hard to imagine that no one at first blamed a downburst. If you go back and read the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, first it was lightning hit the plane, then it was shifting winds, nothing about wind shear or a downburst. But Delta brought in Dr. Fujita again, and he was able to prove any doubt whatsoever that this plane crashed because of a downburst. Well, the meteorological and political winds shifted instantly. The head of the FAA said, I'll do whatever he, meaning Fujita, tells me to do. So the idea came up that um, we're going to put in a network at high-risk airports of terminal Doppler weather radars. Now, at the bottom, you can see the very first map of where the radars are going to go. And if you look, it doesn't say Charlotte. It says Greer. And initially, Charlotte was not going to get one of those airports. So the radar got assigned to Charlotte. And I'm so old that I remember that when it was put in, it was considered to be a tremendous step forward. Now, the reason I know that is I was the plaintiff's expert in the litigation involving U.S. Air 16, and I was commuting to Charlotte and to Columbia, South Carolina, where the flight originated and where the trial was held. And so I spent a lot of time there during this era. Given that there's the radar at to the southwest at Spartansburg, is the radar in Charlotte capable of doing what it needs to do in order to warn of downbursts, severe thunderstorms, tornadoes, and winter storms? I think the answer is clearly yes. But let's look at some examples. This is a radar image from last week, Washington, D.C. Era, area. Excuse me. And so here's one. And here's the other. One is from a TDWR. The other is from the Washington, D.C. Uh, WSR-88D. And there's virtually no difference. Uh, in fact, the Charlotte, or excuse me, the TDWR shows the thunderstorms quite a bit better than the WSR-88D. Here's another example from 2016 um, this is the Miami um, WSR-88D. There's nothing on there that is of particular concern. But then we go to the TDWR and we zoom in. You can see the clear indication of a tornado near Pompano Beach. And we were big fans of the TDWRs when I worked at AccuWeather. Uh, I retired now for three years but we were able to use the TWR to give the Florida East Coast Railroad 22 advance minutes notice that the tornado was coming. You can see the train stopped on the left and you can see the tornado at the right and the tornado crossed the tracks harmlessly because of our storm warning. 
Missouri, the tornado, you see if you sleep, not just the mesocyclone, you can see the um, uh, tornado vortex itself. Uh, that's like looking at a portable Doppler radar. Um, you're able to actually at times estimate the speed of the winds inside using a TDWR. And that's something you can't possibly do with the SRAD. This is also from 2016 when I was still with AccuWeather. We were able to give our two clients in the path of this tornado plenty of advanced notice using the TDWR. The pictures you see here are from inside the Microsoft regional office, which was our client at that time. And you can see the broken windows. You can see the, the debris hanging from the ceiling. We gave them plenty of time to get to shelter. No one associated with our client was hurt, even though they were hit by the tornado. And the TDWR allowed us to provide a superior amount of lead time. Now, having said that, having said that I think Charlotte is well served by the TDWR and by the network radar to your southwest near Greer, there is a radar gap in North Carolina that I think is important. And this, this comes up all the time, and I talk about it on my blog. It's called the Mike Smith Enterprises blog, if you're interested. Um, shortly before I retired, I got a call from some people in Congress wanting me to put together a map of radar gaps around the country, and I did so. And it was based on the amount of extreme weather, the population, and how bad the gap was. And the gap up around Greensboro is a really bad one. I rank at the fifth worst gap in the country. And I really think there needs to be either another TDWR-type radar uh, or a WSR 88D type radar. I personally think it would be fine to put in a C-band TDWR radar because the next rads are more than 20 times as expensive and I'm not convinced you get 20 times the value. There has not been a single downburst related aviation crash in the United States since 1994 after the uh, TDWR network was installed. Now, there was one in Mexico just two years ago, a major airline crash in a downburst. So they're still out there, but the TDWR, between allowing us to see tornadoes better, uh, stopping all of the downburst-related crashes, which at one time was the number one cause of aviation accidents in the United States, um, I think it's been a huge success, and I believe Charlotte and the surrounding area is well served by the TDWR. I'll, I'll lead off the question. Um, Mike, I don't know a ton about the details of the TW, uh, TWDRs. And they have the higher resolution close to the airports. How far out does that higher resolution extend from the radar location? Uh, all the way out to 220 miles. The, at, at the high resolution? Yeah. Okay. So, so, Mike, would you feel comfortable in, in your experience of using a terminal Doppler radar 250 miles away to detect a tornado? You don't, you don't detect tornadoes with the 88D uh, 250 miles away. I know, but we're talking about the resolution you said was could reach 250 miles. And so that's, that's our question is, would you feel comfortable, you know, 
calling a warning or basing a warning off of off of that low power radar looking that far away. Oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let, let's go back. The question is, is the Charlotte, or at least when, when I was contacted to be on the podcast, was, is Charlotte, Greensboro, well-served, or is there a radar gap here? I'm not sure that what's going on 200 miles away is pertinent to that question. Uh, the TDWR has far better resolution, and it completely serves the Charlotte area, and uh, it shows tornadoes in the Charlotte area far better than uh, the WSR-88D. Here in Wichita, we are fortunate enough to have both an 88D and a TDWR. And uh, I find myself almost always looking at the TDWR in a tornado situation rather than the W, uh, rather than the 88D. So one question I have for you then, um, if I'm using Charlotte, for example, because that, that's the radar we use, there's, there's a big gap uh, that takes out a big population in Lincoln County, Iredell County, Catawba County, uh, the Lake Norman area. Uh, there's a, a, a gap coverage gap there, and that's a very highly populated area. Uh, there's some communication towers that that radar interferes with, and it's a gap that we find ourselves constantly seeing storms uh, rotate through that area. Um, you know, that, that's so what... Saying, but that, isn't that in range of... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, it's at the very outskirts of the range. I mean, we're looking at six thousand. The TDWR. No, no, uh, of the of the GSP radar, and then if we use the terminal Doppler radar, there's still a gap there for for several areas of the Charlotte community that are very highly populated. Um, that there's no the north to the northwest. Yes, sir. That there's no right. coverage there. Right. I, I agree with you. There needs to be a radar there. I agree absolutely there needs to be a radar uh, near or southwest of Greensboro. There's no question there needs to be a radar there. I call it the Fort Worth's gap in the country. But I keep hearing over and over, and, and, and some people have sent me articles from the Charlotte Observer and, and various TV stations how there's no radar in Charlotte. And, of course, there is. And uh, uh, how there's this terrible radar gap in Charlotte, and, and I just don't see it. One thing I think the, the, the listeners and viewers of our podcast need to know is that the company I founded, Weather Data Incorporated, which I then sold to AccuWeb, issues tornado and thunderstorm warnings for clients all over North America and Mexico. And we know where the gaps are. We know where the problems are. And I have worked the warning desk when there's severe weather in the Charlotte area. And there are far, far worse gaps than around Charlotte. And in fact, if you think about it, uh, New York City doesn't have an 88D. And they do just fine. Uh, I'm not quite sure why there's this concern about a radar gap in Charlotte. Greensboro, absolutely. Charlotte, nah, not so much. So I, I think, and I know there's several panelists, and, and you know, this is the conversation we were wanting to have. Uh, right. What, what I think we, as the weather enterprise community in the Carolinas, is proposing a radar, an 88D, 
in Rowan County, which serves both the Charlotte-Mecklenburg area as well as the Greenville High Point Winston-Salem area. You know, we're not asking for a radar directly in Charlotte. A, that wouldn't do us any good because uh, you right. have the cone of uh, there's silence, yeah. you know, easily yeah. referred to. So that that's what the proposal is: is, is a radar somewhere. Uh, along Interstate 85, Rowan County, uh, to be exact, is a popular place of what people have been talking about that serves both the Winston-Salem, Greensboro, High Point area, as well as the Charlotte area. You're, you're right. We do have a radar in Charlotte. It's the terminal. I think it's a good tool to have, but it, it you know, I know we have our differences on, on the on, on how we look at it. Uh, a terminal what do you, has... Terminal has, has, has not been the greatest uh, around here. And, and so that's the fight that we're fighting for is, is, you know, Charlotte is a city of over two and a half million people. In fact, uh, Brad Panovich quoted uh, Brad Panovich along with other meteorologists in the community are, are proposing a public private sector uh, radar system uh, where we could see two or three radars popped up because 41% of the state is affected by this radar gap in North Carolina. And that, that's pretty big. There isn't a radar gap. If you want we'll, us, we'll, if you, if, we'll, we'll disagree with that on our end, but. Uh, well, you know what, Scotty, Scotty there? there's degraded radar. I, I'm going to give Mike half a point here. And I know that's going to catch you off guard, Scotty. There's not a gap. But I will push back on Mike and say it's degraded. It's, and using Brad's words on this show, it's like having one out of five cellular bars, not zero out of five, but it's like one or two cellular bars on your phone. Would you agree with that interpretation, Mike? No, not at all. The, 80, the, the TDWR has far better resolution than the WSR 88D. And as I showed you in that case in Florida, the 88D didn't see the tornado at all. And the 88D didn't see the Trimble, Missouri tornado at all. Yet we've they had, both stuck out like sore thumbs on the on the TDWRs. And we've had so, we, we've had tornadoes in our community that's not been detected by the terminal yeah. as well. So I mean, the, it goes both ways. <laughs> Mike, I guess if if somebody showed up with a bag of money uh, and said, Mike, you know, install a radar in the Carolinas, I'm curious, would you like that to be a TDWR? an 88D or mark us one of the first in line for a phased array? Well, I don't want phased array at all. Phased array will be a huge step backwards. Uh, be careful what you wish for when it comes to that. Um, it, if I were in the Winston-Salem area and I was primarily concerned about tornadoes and damaging winds, I'd want a TDWR. Uh, if you're more concerned about flash floods, then I would say you want an 88. Each one has its own strengths. Correct. Frank, I think in our in our pre-notes, you had um, a follow-up question that might work here regarding some of the products for each radar. Over the years that I've heard people advocating for a, a WSR 88D somewhere in central North Carolina, Charlotte, or, or elsewhere, um, I've heard them make some points about how the TDWR is not, uh, or well, it's deficient as a, a gap filling type radar. And uh, there's a total of four points that I wanted to, to just get your thoughts on. And the first one uh, is that uh, the TDWR does not have dual polarization capability. So what do you think about that one first? Um, if you're trying to warn of a tornado, you don't need dual pole. 
uh, because the tornado's already on the ground when it becomes useful. Uh, the other night in Chicago, as you know, there was a tornado that damaged 400 homes Sunday night in Chicago, and uh, uh, there was very little in the way of loft debris with that storm. Uh, the National Weather Service got out a tornado warning just as the tornado was getting ready to touch down. Um, you don't really need dual pole if you're going to try to get a warning out before the tornado touches down. Okay. Second point that I wanted to make, uh, I've heard over the years that uh, a complaint about TDWR in general is that uh, the uh, signal from the TDWR is uh, heavily attenuated by rain and other hydrometeors. And just to briefly explain what that means to the general public, that the, uh, the radar uh, wavelength that is used by the TDWR is different than the WSR-88Ds, and that when it passes through rain or when rain's falling on the, the radar itself, that the signal is weakened considerably. Uh, so... Uh, what do you think about that? And do you, uh, in general, do you think that that is something that that hurts the TDWR too much to make it an efficient gap killer or gap filler? Um, um, unfortunately, we were having some technical problems, but I was going to point out to you the other day in Washington, D.C., when I had those side sides, uh, the radar that was getting attenuated was the WSR 88D. Uh, and that's why the TDWR showed it so much better. Um, 88Ds and TDWRs both suffer from attenuation when there's heavy rain near the radar. But with the TDWR, um, it will still show the velocity data. It will still show where the tornado is. It'll still show where the damaging winds are, even if the precipitation signal is degraded. That's why I said that if the main concern is flooding, then you want an 88D because the attenuation isn't quite as bad. But if the concern is tornadoes and damaging winds, uh, the attenuation isn't that much of a problem with the TDWR. Okay, uh, two more. Uh, the third one here uh, is that the TDWRs are not under control of the National Weather Service. Instead, they're controlled by the FAA. Uh, for weather geeks, uh, the FAA decides the volume coverage patterns, uh, the scan strategy for the radar. So uh, do you think that is too big of a problem for the TDWR or not? It's never bothered me. Uh, I've used TDWRs from practically day one, and I, I don't think it matters. You remember, you're getting one minute coverage with the TDWR. Uh, the best you can possibly do with the 88D is one minute and 45 seconds. And so you're getting much better spatial and temporal coverage with the TDWRs than you are with the 88Ds. Okay, and uh, the last one is that uh, the TDWR was originally designed for airliner safely, safety rather than uh, general weather radar, weather surveillance. And, and so they're designed to pick up things like wind shifts uh, over the runway, wind shear, and uh, what's going on along the immediate approach and departure corridors and, and downbursts rather than uh, picking up 
you know, uh, velocity and, and reflectivity data. Uh, to me, that sounded a little shaky, but I thought it was uh, worth bringing it up. And after all, the TDWR does uh, gather weather surveillance data. So, but I still wanted to get your thoughts about it. Oh, I, I, it clearly the uh, TDWR does a better job of, of measuring winds near the ground, whether in a tornado or a severe thunderstorm than the ADAD. Doesn't matter that it was designed for aviation. I think one of the things that always trips us up on weather Twitter when we get into this conversation is the definition of Charlotte. Uh, I think locally, I found that a lot of folks will define the area to the north and east of Charlotte that truly is in the gap, the gap that you define, uh, Mike. A lot of folks will will just use Charlotte to cover that area. And in reality, and the point you've made, and it's a great point that Charlotte proper Charlotte Metro does have the TDWR and the good radar coverage. Um, we have to make the distinction between Charlotte proper and areas like Rowan County up closer towards Greensboro that aren't truly Charlotte. Um, I, I think many times in, in Twitter conversations I've seen, that's where we're getting disconnect with the, the, the way that we identify this, this part of North Carolina. Okay, that's good, good to know. Yeah. On a, on a similar note, uh, Evan, I, you know, I think off cause I'm sitting in Charlotte. So I think off to my South and East Rockingham County, which is as you start making your way towards Fayetteville or even the Northern Sandhill kind of portion of, of South Carolina. Um, I guess, let me ask you this question, Mike, cause you know, you've identified, uh, this area in, in the Carolinas, whatever we want to call it as, as the fifth worst, uh, there's four others that you uh, have found more critical. How would you grade the government on their deployment of, of radars. Uh, are we, are, are, have we done a good job or maybe not so much? It was, it was, it was a fantastic job when they were deciding this late, uh, 1980s. The problem is, and, and Columbia is one of the worst in the country. What was a excellent radar site 40 years ago is now being covered up by trees and buildings I don't know if you've ever tried to use the uh, storm total rainfall on Columbia's radar, and it's it's got so many blocks, it's just awful. And so the NWS badly needs to start reciting some of these radars. But no, this is this is a you know this is a a, a really interesting conversation. Um, because I, I think I think it gets to a, an interesting conversation too about like placing the best technology, getting the best technology in place for certain threats. And the ADAT, while it very much is a workhorse, does it kind of a kind of a one size fits all. Uh, the TDWR, you know, as as we have seen, you know, and as as you've shown in your example, certainly uh, for wind shear and uh, tornado detection is you know is a, a rather formidable. Uh, uh, to put it mildly, it's, uh, you know, one minute updates from, uh, you know, on, uh, on the higher VCPs on the VCP 80 is pretty nice. So I think we can all agree that the areas to the North and East of Charlotte, that, that the fifth worst radar hole in the, the country, as Mike identified, they could certainly use more radar coverage, uh, in the coming months and years. Uh, and hopefully we can get another push to, uh, to get NOAA to accept uh, funds to build new radar sites. 
until then, I know we, there's projects going on locally here in the Charlotte area where folks are trying to get uh, C-band radars, I believe it is, uh, installed a series well, well, of them. C-band is what a TDWR is. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there you go. Exactly. Um, we really appreciate you coming on, Mike. This has been a wonderful show. Lots of good discussion. Um, thank you to our podcast listeners. Uh, Mike, before we close, how can our listeners find you on social media? Uh, my blog is called the Mike Smith Enterprises blog. Uh, it's on Blogspot. Um, I also am on Twitter at U.S. Weather Expert, all one U.S. Weather Expert. And uh, uh, I'd be happy to hear from any of you anytime. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all that information, Mike. Uh, to our listeners, we appreciate you for listening. Um, shoot us messages on social media. Shoot Mike a message on social media if you have follow-up questions. I know he, he would be happy to answer, and so would we. Um, so for now, take care and have a good night.